If there's one thing that I think I've learned from this time in isolation and sharing all these stories with you over the past month, it's that life is life. There are a lot of things that coronavirus changes about that life, where we go and when and how. But the challenges we faced before coronavirus, they don't just go away because we spend our days in isolation. I mean, sometimes they do get worse, but often they just look different. We still need each other. We still need stories. We still need community to survive. I think since the crisis started, you and I actually communicate more than we ever have, too. I'm going to tell you about two brothers. We're not going to use their real names here, so we're going to call them David and Jason. They describe themselves as opposites. David lives in Florida. Jason lives in Nevada. David has four kids and lives with his partner. Jason is the younger brother, the cool uncle. But they do have one very important thing in common. They're both sober. And today we learn about how life in isolation has brought them together in ways they could have never imagined. Just hearing the positive effect you're having on so many people in Reno in their sobriety is just really, really cool to me, Jason. From Neon Hum Media, this is Telescope. I'm your host, Jonathan Hirsch. And Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the foreseeable future, we're gonna bring you stories of people who are far away, up close and how each of us are learning to live through this pandemic. Our producer, Shara Morris, has the story. Last week, I hopped on Zoom with two guys I found on Twitter, David and Jason. They're brothers. Yeah, Who like, smokes tobacco in a pipe anymore? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's the only it's the only uh, form of tobacco that's acceptable right. for me with my wife and in front of my kids now. So that's yeah. why I'm, I've, I've turned to no, it. No, I like I like it. It's a little weird making two brothers zoom with each other when you don't know them well yourself. I felt like that not so real cousin interloping a family reunion. But as we've learned lately, Zooming in general is kind of new for most of us. I remember even growing up having neighbors that smoked pipe tobacco and that's such a distinct smell. Mr. Osborne with the cowboy boots and the cowboy hat. And he, he always smelled like pipe tobacco. David's talking about smoking a pipe and pulling a Mr. Osborne because that's one of the few things getting him through coronavirus. He's been sober for two decades. His younger brother, Jason, is three and a half years sober. These days, because of COVID, face-to-face AA meetings are canceled. So David and Jason have started going to the same meeting online. Even though it's a Zoom meeting, I can definitely see how integrated you are into AA meetings and AA culture and that you're sponsoring other people. And in that one meeting, I called on that one guy to speak and it just turned out that he was your sponsor. Um, or that other fellow in the meeting who shared in the meeting just how important you'd been because you guys got sober about the same time. Jason and David sound like old pals, but it wasn't always like this. Their household wasn't filled with bear hugs and dog piles, and they weren't the kind of siblings who called each other first when they needed someone to turn to. But there are other reasons the brothers weren't close. They're six years apart, 
which in kid years might as well be 40. When David was learning addition and subtraction, Jason was in diapers. And when Jason was hitting puberty, David was already off to college. Besides, Jason says their personalities are pretty much night and day. You know, he attended Princeton University, had a Fulbright scholarship, traveled around the world. David even had a well-paying job on Wall Street. And Jason? Let's just say he wasn't making Dean's List anytime soon. But he was really good with people. My brother Jason could sell ice to an Eskimo. He has a very magnetic personality. He's always been very, very social in a way that I was like jealous of. Jason became the fun one. The guy with street smarts. The party dude who everyone wants to be around. Which quickly devolved into something a lot less fun. You know, I was pass out, blackout drinker by the time I was 14. I uh, quickly moved on to drugs. I think by the time, so my brother, you know, is graduating successfully. And then I'm 15 years old, getting kicked out of school for selling LSD. And uh, so I always just kind of felt like I was the black sheep of the family, I guess. In the meantime, David may have seemed perfect on paper, but he was struggling too. I drank a bit in high school. I drank till I blacked out, passed out. And that kind of seemed to be like a recurring theme for me. Like when I drank, I did not drink very well. By college, David couldn't hide his troubles. I got spoken to a lot about my drinking. I ended up moving back to Atlanta with a job offer and suddenly was in a place where I was having to drive around and um, had a couple of like really close calls. One night, he went to see a movie by himself. I got to the point where my friends from high school didn't want to hang out with me. Um, And I was just too much of a mess. And uh, so I went to a movie alone. The movie was an indie Scottish film called My Name is Joe. And the main character, Joe, happened to be a recovering alcoholic. He had a book from Alcoholics Anonymous with him. David saw it and thought, I need that book. So he left the theater and went to Borders. He ended up finding a different book, How to Get Started in AA. And now he's been sober for about 20 years. As it happens, once he got sober, things started to make sense. The pieces of his life fell into place. His friends went to the movies with him again. He met his wife, and they have four kids together. But while David was in recovery, Jason kept drinking and using drugs. It took me a lot longer to realize that my life was unmanageable and that I, uh, um, you know, I couldn't quit drinking on my own. Jason went to the College of Charleston because it was the number one stoner school in the country that year. He flunked out, then he moved to Mauritius, a tiny island just east of Madagascar. Worked there for a couple of years in hospitality while he partied. If I hadn't have been on an island in the middle of the Indian Ocean, you know, I probably would have been fired and and let go, but they just had no other options, you know, at that point. Eventually, he ended up out west, in Nevada. My uh, drinking really took off. Uh, You know, I was able to go to bars 24-7. I know you can walk into a bar at five in the morning and it's, you know, it's like it's eight o'clock at night. After too many nights he couldn't remember, Jason decided to quit drinking. 
he started going to AA meetings. He told everyone he was done. He thought he was done, but he was still doing drugs. It got to a point where I would like snort cocaine while I'm drinking in O'Doul's and, and <laughs> think that, and you know, somebody would come up and offer me a drink and I'd be like, no, sorry, I'm, I'm sober. And the person, you know, when I had a plate of cocaine in my lap and the What kind know, of reaction person, did they have? Completely confused, you know? I mean, I just got these looks like, yeah, right, you're not sober. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it. Been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show, but my listeners wanted to write the ad for me, and here are some of the things they said. Not your regular Juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you will instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. So, at this point, Jason was closing himself off to everyone. He couldn't be honest with his AA group, his friends, or his family. He became isolated and depressed, which are some of the worst feelings you can face as an addict. One day, as he was driving, he just stopped cold. And uh, came to a traffic light. And it just became so overwhelmed uh, with the feelings I was having, you know, with depression. And I had just quit a job uh, making lots of money because I just couldn't handle the responsibilities. So I ended up, um, you know, was sitting at an intersection and just broke down crying and uh, started having cars start honking their horns at me, uh, wondering why I wasn't moving. And, uh, you know, at that point, I knew I needed to reach out to somebody. And I pulled over on the side of the road and then called my brother. I was at a conference in New York, and I got a call from him, and uh, he was, you know, in tears, and he, you know, he was just saying he didn't really want to go on anymore. So I was like, look, you know, just hold tight. I'll be there as soon as I can. You can get through this, and I will be right there. So... And, I mean, I just can't imagine, like, you know, my kids, he's probably, you know, I mean, he probably is their most favorite person in the world. Shortly thereafter, um, after speaking to my brother on the phone, uh, he flew out here. And, uh, you know, that completely saved my life. After that call, nothing was ever the same again between David and Jason. 
But I told him basically the first thing we really needed to do was go get a psych eval. So I felt better after that. And then um, wanted to just make sure he kind of got set up and connected with what he needed. And so we just kind of spent a few days chillaxing. I probably was like, let's just, you know, do something. I'd heard about this this monastery and wanted to check it out for years. And so we just got in the car, listened to the music, kind of made a road trip out of it. I don't remember what we talked about, but I do remember that being in the car together during that road trip was the first time that we were kind of completely honest with each other. Um, I was able to tell him exactly what was going on with me, and, uh, and I was also able to learn a lot about him. We went to the monastery, and uh, it was just out in the middle of nowhere in the woods, and you know, we went into some room where the, the monks were praying, and I just sat in the back in a chair and just observed it all while my brother did participate with them. I have really fond memories of that day. I'm just super grateful that he did reach out. Um, and you know, when you're, when you're depressed or when you're having serious problems, sometimes the phone feels like it weighs 10,000 pounds and you just can't, you can't pick it up. Um, yeah, I'm really grateful that, that, that he did. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful for that, so. The second step in AA is finding a power greater than yourself. For some, that's God. But Jason never felt spiritual, not until their visit to the monastery. It was as if they rebooted their relationship in those few days, wiped it clean. And this time, they were going to be transparent with one another. After the trip, Jason committed to AA. For real this time. No more cocaine and O'Doul's. You know, I have a routine every morning now that, you know, I've had since I got sober, which involves, uh, you know, stretching, reading some type of spiritual literature uh, and, you know, lighting incense and sitting and meditating for 20 to 30 minutes. And uh, yeah, for the first time, I just had like inner peace and tranquility. And Jason slowly got better. My sobriety date is uh, June 7th of 2016. All the while, David and Jason kept in touch. David goes on a lot of work trips. When he lands back in Florida late at night, he calls his brother, who's three hours behind him. That's their time to catch up. But they were each in their own silos. Each had their own AA meeting. And then COVID started spreading across the country. In Florida, where David lives. In Nevada, where Jason lives. Face-to-face meetings got canceled. And... They each lost a lifeline. Being without that community in isolation was a recipe for relapse. Why not just screw it when no one's watching? And then we were talking, and <laughs> so what are you doing? What do you? What's your? What's your plan? What are your? What are your AA meetings like? You got an online meeting yet? I was like, no. And it's you know, isolation is a big problem for alcoholics, and can lead to relapse. And so I'm just grateful for you helping me stay connected. Before COVID, David was the one helping Jason out. But now, Jason was the one checking in on his older brother. He was telling him to join his AA meeting. Because now they can. It's all on Zoom. So they're no longer each in recovery on their own. They're sober together. 
I think since the crisis started, you and I actually communicate more than we ever have too. Um, and That's a big reason, true. a big reason for that is the the access to meetings that we're both able to go to and then um, talk about the meetings afterwards or talk before the meetings. Um, yeah. We're able to be a part of each other's recovery for the first time. It'd be real easy for me to just hide and start, you know, using drugs and drinking again now that I'm, you know, isolating and home all the time. But, uh, you know, now that we're active in each other's recovery and active in going to meetings together online, there's that accountability and, and looking out for each other so that neither of us, you know, were to relapse through yeah. this. Our recoveries are a part of each other's. It doesn't matter if you've been sober for two decades or two months. We're living in unprecedented times right now. Everyone needs support. I've been around the rooms for 20 years. I'm, I'm, I'm still very integrated in them, and I go, like I said, about once a week. But I definitely, I'm not in the center of the bed the way you are, Jason. The way you're, you know, such a part of the meetings and go regularly and you lead meetings. You're really integrated in them. So I definitely feel like when we started having that conversation at the beginning of COVID, I have to remember that this is a, you know, this is an ongoing thing. You can't let your sobriety just rest. And uh, I definitely appreciate you checking on me and connecting me to your your online men's group because that was just huge. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you were much more energized in the beginning, <laughs> like when you first came in, too, in your first four years. When you have a fire under your ass. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. Early years. When we're both having to deal with the COVID-19 crisis, um, there's no judgment, there's no uh, you know, criticism between each other. It's only about helping each other through the crisis. If you're struggling with addiction or know someone who is, please reach out to one of these virtual AA meetings. Hopefully, it can be of help to you. A big thank you also to Jason and David for sharing their story. Telescope is made possible by the world-class team of producers, editors, and engineers that make up Neon Hum Media. John Asante is the managing producer of Telescope. Today's episode was produced by Shara Morris, Haley Fager, and Joanna Clay. It was reported by Shara Morris. Our editors are Vikram Patel and Catherine St. Louis. Our engineer is Scott Somerville. Thanks to Matt McGinley for our theme music and to Blue Dot Sessions for additional tracks that you hear on this episode. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Neon Hum Media. We want to stay connected with you during this unprecedented time in our history. So please don't be shy. Share your stories with us. Our DMs are open. If you have a story about life in isolation because of the coronavirus that you want to share with us, email us at pitches at neonhum.com. I'm Jonathan Hirsch. Happy Monday. We'll see you on Wednesday. Wednesday.